0: Unearthing Paranormalcy is a part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. And welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, the podcast that digs into the paranormal and tries to find normalcy in the topic. I'm Amy. And I'm
1: Dave. And I'm Chad.
0: And we almost had Eli here.
1: Yeah, he was here earlier today.
0: Yeah, we had him here for about three hours.
2: Yeah.
1: And then he went home.
0: He started feeling bad. The wimp. It's all good. It's all good. Baby steps, baby steps. Before we get started this week, let's go ahead and play a podcast from the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. This is Ad Hoc History.
1: And just to clarify, we're only playing a trailer, not the entire podcast. True. Here <laughs> we go.
2: Epic History.
0: Like the Greeks are like on the beach, they're like doing burpees or something. <laughs> the Persians sail up. And they've got like they've got like little spears and pomegranates and stuff, and they're like, "Hey, want to be part of our cool empire?"
1: in-depth
2: commentary. Cutting-edge expert drunken analysis.
1: (laughs) Two people that you don't know anything about. It's Ad Hoc History with Asher and Luxa, siblings extraordinaire.
0: Hey, just real quick, like, if you were emperor, would you choose me as second emperor?
1: Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Next question. Learning... It's not pretty. It's not nice. And if you want to talk about justification for war and all these things, but when you get to how the sausage is actually made, this is it. It's ad hoc history.
0: It's not the history podcast you wanted. It's the history podcast you deserve. That's such a great show.
1: It really is.
0: If you like history or if you don't like history, it's still good.
1: Well, it's the definitely the history podcast you deserve.
0: It's the one I wish I would have had in high school.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I might
0: could. have done a little bit better in uh, history classes. <laughs> all right. So this week, we are covering Missing 411.
2: What's a
1: 411?
0: 411 is that these people are missing.
1: Oh, still?
0: Oh. Actually, mo- all the I think most of the, ones I'm, no, all the ones I'm doing, they were found. We're so oh,
1: so it's all happy endings.
0: I have happy Dee-dee. endings. But they're children, y'all. Yeah. So... But yes, th- this this particular episode, I'm going to have all delightful endings where they are found. So, as we've covered in the past Missing 411 episodes, these cases are based on the series of books written by David Pilates, a former police officer that spends his time researching Bigfoot, as well as looking into st- cases of strange disappearances in national parks and elsewhere.
1: Elsewhere
0: currently there are 10 books in the series as well as two documentaries now in order for a case to make it into Pilates book the case must meet some common criteria I mean sometimes people just go missing Fa- maybe foul play suicide accident or whatever uh, David Pilates has discovered some strange things that can happen and he's linked them into these case and, and he's linked them to create these books Number one, the victim suffers from some kind of disability or is highly intel- intellectual. Uh, number two, canines play a factor. Either the person goes missing with a dog or dogs, or there are cert- the, when the searching of the dogs, the scent dogs are unable to pick up a scent. They are often found near bodies of water, some of them in the water. There are geological clusters, there are fifty-four in the north in North America. Often found in these areas are national parks, boulder fields, mountains, and bodies of water. Berries in many cases are associated. Either they're hunting for berries, such as huckleberries, or they are eating them to survive.
1: So I did some research and there's a plant called Belladonna. And it looks similar to huckleberries, both in leaf shape and berry color and size. Um, This plant has been naturalized to North America and pretty much grows everywhere now. And there's also the more native Solanum amanicarum. Now, this Solanum amanicarum has less antropines than nightshade. I'll get into that in a second. But the green fruit is particularly poisonous, and eating unripe berries has caused the death of children. Ripe berries and foliage may also cause poisoning, though the toxicity seems to diminish somewhat with ripening. So, with Solanum manicarum, or belladonna, the children would eat the less toxic ripe berries, which still look like huckleberries, and suffer the derelict effects of the tropine alkaloids. Um, Both these plants have scopolamine. Okay, the side effects of these two chemicals is described as cardiac disorders, mainly related to heart rate disturbances, and also euphoric states, disorientation, depressive activity toward the CNS, and dryness of mucous membranes. Severe dizziness, confusion, agitation, extreme fear, hallucinations, unusual thoughts or behavior, convulsions, eye pain or redness, blurred vision, dilated pupils, decreased urination, painful or difficult urination, stomach pain, nausea, and vomiting.
0: Hmm. Remember some of that when I read some of these stories. Alright, number six to make it onto the, the into the book is missing time or memory. In many cases, the person doesn't realize how long they had been gone or what happened to them while they were gone. Missing clothing. They were found in previously searched areas. Number nine, weather plays a factor in the search and rescue. Usually there's some big storms or something that move in the night that they go missing. Um... Which I found interesting because most of the time when they go missing, they're going camping, and I know any time we ever went camping, we would watch the weather. There was only yeah. one time we got caught in like a freak storm, you know. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting, but us. Uh, <laughs> s-
1: it wasn't your stepbrother, brother. Uh, what well, his tent was floating, or He was no, our, inside our, of a our, something. Our t- we that were all was in one tent,
0: and our tent flooded. Yeah. And in. S- he just climbed inside one of the Tupperware or the Rubbermaid bins that we had that we carried all of our camping gear in. That's what He it was just awesome. got in one of those and closed the lid and yeah. was floating around in the tent. <laughs> we, were, we were frantic hunting for him.
1: Yeah. That, that.
2: that was, I remember that one. That, <laughs> was, that was
1: fun. And he went missing 411, didn't he? For, for a few minutes, yeah. <laughs> all
2: right. There
0: are also subcategories of hunter, jogger, hiker, and German ancestry. Also, when it comes to children, many of the children who go missing are located either dead or alive in a location that are far beyond the search area, in locations that doesn't seem plausible for a child to get to along uh, get to alone in that time frame that they were missing.
1: Now that one I'd postulated it was Thunderbirds carrying them off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that wasn't as good as my Belladonna research, that's for sure.
0: Belladonna actually plays, like, when you hear some of these stories, that might actually be part of it. There's also a top five countries where this happens most. Um, Of course, we have the United States, Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, but Germany is moving up that list, as well as Russia, as we get more information out of Russia. It's hard to get information out of Russia, so.
1: What? No. I know. Now, the train's running late. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's all the snow.
2: So,
0: I've covered missing cases in Washington and Oklahoma, and then the really paranormal ones. These are some paranormal ones, some strange ones. Um, the ones that I picked actually are ones where the person who went missing has some kind of recollection of things that happened while they were gone or while they were missing mm. oh so and that's actually really hard to find
1: yeah so. and typically when you do it's like very surreal stuff yeah like they've been having fever dreams or something
0: <coughs> or belladonna hallucinations
1: possibly or solanum
0: Salamana solanum our first case comes from walla oregon
2: Walla Walla.
0: Wa- walla Walla. Wow. Walla Walla. Walla Walla Oregon. This is of Cody She. who went missing on April 27th, 1986, at 2.30 p.m. He was six years old at the time of disappearance. hmm on april twenty seventh in nineteen eighty six Cody went with his family on a picnic into the Blue mountains. Cody and his ten year old sister Carrie were playing a game in the forest called explorers a game that the kid's made up to where each person goes in a different direction. Sounds like ten year old used, used to play this it sounds like the ten year old didn't want to be around a little brother
1: yeah. genius yeah my brother used to play this all the time
0: <laughs> At approximately 12.30 p.m., the family couldn't find Cody. Cody's mom was the lone adult in the group, as Cody's dad was in China on business. The group searched until 2.30 p.m. and then called law enforcement. The United States Forest Service, County Sheriff, and State Police all responded. Within two hours of the call for assistance, two helicopters were in the air looking for Cody, along with bloodhounds on the ground. Several, several equestrian teams responded, and they were able to cover huge distances within a short period of time. Throughout the first night, searchers stayed on the ground looking for the six-year-old boy, yelling and calling for him without any response. Searchers were chal- challenged in their search for the boy almost immediately after he, almost immediately after he was reported missing. Rain started to fall in the mountains and continued through the night. Searchers were told that Corey was three feet ten inches tall, and weighed 40 pounds—not a large boy. At 7:30 p. Er, sorry, at 7:30 a.m., Cody emerged from the wilderness by arriving at the home of Beverly Henson. Sorry, Beverly Hanson.
1: Had a do rag tied <laughs> around his head, and he was carrying a survival knife.
0: <laughs> a resident of Walla Walla.
2: Walla Walla, Bing Bing.
0: The boy asked for directions to his grandfather's ranch, and the woman stated that it was too far away and invited Cody in and called the sheriff. On April thirtieth, 1986, an article in the Beaver Times had the following to say.
1: A six-year-old boy walked overnight, at least 18 miles to safety, through the wilderness of northeastern Oregon while searchers on horseback combed the rugged terrain after he got lost on a picnic. Cody told his mother he climbed into a tree once during the night, afraid that he was being followed by coyotes.
2: Coyotes!
1: On
0: April 29th, an article in the Hudson News had additional information about Cody's trip.
1: His mother said the boy told her he hid during the night from a motorcycle and a helicopter. There wasn't a helicopter out there at night. He must have been hallucinating, she said. I thought you just said they were using a helicopter to search for him, though. Not at night, though. Oh, not at night. The helicopters only come out during the day. Yeah. They're not that, eternal. Yeah, that makes sense. Cody, that's their nature.
0: Cody was taken to the hospitals for observation and was found to be in good health, considering his monstrous journey.
1: 18 miles.
0: For such a small little boy. In dude, the that's rain. crazy.
1: Through the Rough Oregon terrain.
2: <clears throat> I'm sorry, though. If I'm lost and I'm hearing motorcycles and helicopters, I'm going to go towards them and not hide from them.
0: Yeah. That would be my thought, too. You know, humans. But that's even with him resting and hiding in a tree. Yeah. So that's pretty remarkable distance in a very short time.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, that,
0: that's impressive. I just thought it was interesting the that his mom said it was hallucinating. It's
1: like, yeah, he must have been auditorily hallucinating, yeah. she thought.
0: Or he was actually hearing searchers and maybe he was lost in what time of day it was.
2: I mean, if it's a dense forest, I mean, it could be really dark. Yeah. that, And so he can't see. So he thinks it's nighttime.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. That's quite possible.
0: I will say in going through this book, and I'm oh, sorry, I guess I should say, this particular book that I got most of these stories, or all these stories from, is Missing 411, North America and Beyond, the story of people who disappeared in remote locations of North America and five other countries. I'm only covering North America. I didn't get that far. <laughs> it goes alphabetically via state. Oh. No, it's not alphabetical. No? Is it? No, it's not alphabetical. I don't know what is, how he chooses that.
2: That's interesting.
0: Because <laughs> it starts in Washington. Maybe it's by number of stories. Oh, could he has be. is the Oregon, then California.
2: Interesting.
0: Then Hawaii, then Idaho.
1: Uh, by year?
0: No. Oh. By state, it's listed by year. but. Oh. All right, on to the next, <laughs> shall we?
1: We shall.
0: This one is very interesting. This one is of John Doe. He went missing on December 1st, 2010 at 6.30 p.m. in Mount Shasta, California. He was three years old. According to Pilates, this is one of the most unusual stories he has found. Um, and in order to protect the victim and his, or not the victim, but the child and their family, he has, uh, omitted names. Oh, so that's why we have John Doe. The location of this incident was near Mount Shasta and happened sometime around October, 2010. John was camping with his family on the banks of the large Creek. At approximately 6.30 p.m., John disappeared from the campsite. The parents were searching the bordering forest and creek and could not locate the boy. The call was made to the local sheriff and United States Forestry Service for assistance. The area where this occurred has a long history of high strangeness. It is very thick with big trees, great fishing, and a lot of wildlife. This is a place where I have fished dozens of times. Not me. Pilates. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I've never been to Lake Shasta. The location is in the shadow of Mount Shasta. And with that comes a history of many strange things occurring over the years. Local search and rescue crews and sheriff respond to the scene immediately and set out looking for John. Approximately five hours after the search started, John was found lying in a thicket directly next to one of the primary trails that the searchers had used. He was found in good condition and returned to his parents approximately 11.30 p.m. Not gone very long, right?
1: Yeah.
0: At At this point, I usually write about the unusual aspects of the case and how it relates to other disappearances. This case is different. I have always believed that children return home and tell their parents what happened to them. These stories are never heard by the media or they are filtered by the parents because they're believability in this case john's parents heard my interview on whitley whitley Schreiber's show and immediately made the connection of john's disappearance and other children that have vanished across north america they contacted whitley and asked how they could contact me whitley gave me the, gave them my email and you will read john's story below I was advised that John isn't a very, very intelligent boy and acts much older than three years old. When John returned home, he was initially quiet about the disappearance until he saw his grandmother. Once Grandma was seen, John told her that he had seen her twin while he was missing. He explained that he doesn't remember how he got lost, but his first memory is waking up in a cave or a dungeon. He used both words to describe it. He says that he saw his grandmother with him in a dark room. He stated that there was a ladder up the side wall that led to a bright light. The woman spoke to him in a very nice and polite way. He stated that she was interested in his tummy. He explained that he thought he was talking to his grandma the entire time until he saw sparks come out of her head. Then he believed he had started talking to a robot. He says he saw guns and purses and a lot of dust on them on the walls of the cave, and also saw other robots in the cave that never moved John explained that near the end of the time with the lady she placed a piece of sticky paper on the ground and told him that she wanted him to poop on the paper he said he didn't have to it was sometime after this point that she took him from the room and placed him under the bush and told him to stay there he never explained how he got from the room but does remember being found in conversations with John's family, his story stayed consistent, and he continually stated that he was never afraid. I had the opportunity to question the grandmother. She is very sharp and aware of her surroundings. She explained that she had actually been in the exact spot where John disappeared. She was there several months prior to the boy's disappear- The boy disappearing. She stated that she and her companion spent the night on the bank of the creek, and her partner snep- slept in the truck. She said that she woke in the morning with a stinging pain at the base of her neck. Her partner looked and found a small red dot, nothing else. The woman doesn't know if this relates to John's disappearance, but wanted to explain that it's condition conditional that she had the or said she was in the exact location
1: months earlier. So he wanted them to stay anonymous because they were aliens or robots.
0: I don't know. But I thought it was interesting.
1: It's a pretty far out too. It
0: is. And I almost think it's... It's not too far out for a three-year-old to tell something like that because our son's come up with some really interesting stories. Sure. But to consistently stay with it is impressive because our son will change his story mid, midway.
2: Yeah. 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 I was thinking like skinwalk like a... Skin, like a I guess skin shapeshifter, skinwalker kind of thing, but the robot thing. The only, the only thing I can think is maybe it's actually just someone who lives out in the woods, but like dresses up as people they see throughout the time they're there. Like what he what he <clears throat> what he saw hanging up, where you know, just changes their clothes or something, and he called them robots, but yeah. like on mannequins or something. But like it's like someone who just is. Kidnapping people or something, yeah. or kids or something like that. But you know, sees someone, you know, sees their parents, and then tries to dress like their parents. And
0: it's and weird. Stuff, that I don't know. They only kept him for what five hours?
2: Yeah, yeah. Because he wouldn't poop on a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah.
0: Really weird. It was a sticky note. It was a sticky piece of paper. It didn't say sticky note, but sticky piece of paper.
2: Oh, a sticky
1: piece of paper. I mean,
0: it could be a glue trap. I don't know.
1: Oh.
2: Oh yeah, it's... Now, that one's weird. Yeah. I, I, really weird. He'd be, what, fourteen, fifteen now? 2010. Yeah. So, and he was three. Yeah. 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 Wow.
1: I hope he's functioning well. <laughs> That's a weird thing to live with.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, if he never felt like he was any he may not fear or anything, it. he might not even remember. Oh, him. true. Yeah. I mean, it was a
1: terrifying Some people don't remember something. that far back, do they? Yeah.
0: So. Most people don't. Most people don't remember past the age of five, or before the age of five. Some do, but yeah, I just thought that was a really interesting case, and I wanted to bring it to you all and get your input.
2: Yeah, that one. I don't even. I don't even know what to think about that one. Reptilians, uh, ro- robots. I. I don't know.
0: Aliens. Early Crazy
2: people. Age. Early and
1: Yeah, that's, that's odd that he's going to meet his robot grandma there. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know what to think of it.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird. It was <laughs> probably one of the most interesting ones that I've read. And like he said, it's the most interesting one he'd heard of. Now, my next one ties in with the first two.
2: How does that work?
0: Roger Schrodinger. Missing May twenty seventh, two thousand. No, that's a f- not two thousand. We haven't gotten there yet. Nineteen fifty one. Um, at noon from Truckee, California, he was nine years old. Truckee, Truck Truckee, Truckee tr- 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 is approximately nine miles northwest of Lake Tahoe, and is famous for being a town adjacent to where the Donner Party spent their horrific winter from 1847 to 1848.
1: I thought Truckee sounded familiar.
0: On May 27th, 1951, Mr. and Mrs. Harry Shadinger Schind- Schind- Sch- and their son Roger had traveled to Truckee from their residence just outside of San Diego for a holiday of fishing and enjoying the Sierras. At, approximate, at approximately noon, Harry and Roger were fishing in a small, easily accessible Adler Creek, Adler Creek just to the northwest edge of Truckee. The location where they are fishing has an elevation of 6,600 feet and just sits just out on the edge of the vast wilderness to their northwest. The region where they are fishing has a large meadow and several tall and large pines and Douglas fir trees. Harry soon realized that he hadn't seen Roger after starting calling his name and searching for him. Adler Creek is small, long creek, and slowly meanders towards Truckee as it travels downstream. Just as Harry was realizing that he couldn't find his boy, he started to call for assistance. Placer County Sheriff and Truckee Police responded to assist in looking for Roger. Hundreds of community members and deputies, police officers, firefighters were all looking for the boy. They had several or they had searched the area while, where the Shattingers were fishing and were positive that Roger was nowhere in the area. They continued to yell and scream for the boy and it didn't produce any results. 28 hours after Roger disappeared and 1000 feet higher in elevation A special Indian tracker that had been brought in by the sheriff, Archie Hicks, from Stillwater, Nevada, was hot on the heels of Roger. Archie uh, Archie was in an area where search criteria indicated Roger probably would not be. Higher in elevation and five miles from the point that he was last seen. Archie found Roger alive in a bush at the elevation of 7,600 feet. 1,000 feet higher in elevation than he was last seen. Hicks had a short conversation with Roger and asked him why he was at this location. A May 29, 1951 article in the Nevada State Journal had the following statements to say.
1: He told them he had been hiding from the people. Dun, dun, dun.
0: It was not made clear who the people he was hiding from were. Some articles made the implication that Roger was hiding from searchers, but had that made zero sense. Just at the side, just as a side note, Roger was found barefoot. Wow! So he went a thousand miles uphill. A thousand miles. Thousand feet uphill. Lost his shoes somewhere along the way.
1: Well, this was in 1951, and I remember our parents telling us constantly that they used to walk to school barefoot both ways uphill. So. Yeah. True,
0: true. That's so it's plausible. <laughs>
1: that was that was in the 50s.
0: I just thought it was interesting that those three stories kind of have that connection with that hiding from the motorcycles and the, uh, the yeah. four-wheelers and the helicopters and then hiding from the people and then being in the underground dungeon yeah. with the grandma twin
2: like, yeah. I thought
0: that... Uh, for me, it felt like those three were all connected.
2: Yeah, there are definitely...
1: Definitely some sinks
2: in there. I'm glad I'm not a a young child and you know, who's But goes you are German, so... Yeah. Nein.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just... Uh, yeah, that's why those three cases were... I, well, actually, it wasn't even on purpose. Those were just the first three cases that I read in the book that actually... Had events of what happened. Oh yeah, and they just happened. To all three kind of kind of go together, and I was like, "That's have interesting."
1: They go together. I
0: was gonna say forever, like she-wop.
1: I was gonna say like missing children and robot grandmas, but you stole my thunder.
0: <laughs> and the thunder rolls.
1: <sighs> robot grandma. Robot. Uh, I I found Amy's new
2: Halloween costume for next year. Robot Robot Grandma!
0: Grandma. (laughs) That would be really easy to do. Now, for my next story. This is William William Dunfrey's daughter. She went missing outside of Ewing, Montana on September 2nd, 1903. She was an infant. An infant. Ewing is now a ghost town in southern Montana, just 10 miles north of Wyoming. Uh, he found a series of articles describing the event, the f- with the first being at, near the beginning of September in 1903. The article states that approximately on September 2nd, 1903, William Dumfries' family was living in the hills above Ewing, while Mrs. Dum- Mr. Dumfries was prospecting, according to the article. The Clinton morning August on the Clinton morning on August twenty third, nineteen oh three, said
1: Infant daughter was carried off one afternoon by a wild animal. A thunderbird.
0: There was no more information on the type of animal that carried off the girl, but there was information that there was an extensive search. In the search, the article quoted above, it describes what Dumfrey was doing after his daughter vanished.
1: While Dumfrey was hunting in the mountains, he came on a wolf den, which showed signs of being occupied. He waited for a long time and then entered as no wolf came forth. He decided to enter the den and see for himself what was in it. As he entered the place, he heard the cry of a child. Advancing, he saw a sight that almost turned his hair white. Lying on a bed of grass at the end of the den was a big mother wolf with several pups beside her, while at her side was his lost baby, trying her best to get a supper from the mother wolf. The wolf simply frowned when the man approached and made no attempt to escape. Carried off by wolves, huh? Wow. Mowgli!
0: <laughs> Dumfries got his daughter back. She wasn't injured and was surprising, or supposedly, well nourished. The newspapers in Red Lodge, Montana, and the story ha- had the story validated by two other residents of Ewing. There was never, never any clarity on what size of the wolf or the other aspects of the recovery.
1: Wolves got a really bad rap.
2: It's weird how common it is, or guess se- how common it seems. The animals tend to take care of children of other species and like humans and stuff. Like,
0: were you raised by wolves?
2: (laughs) (laughs) The dragon go, yes, actually I was for a few
1: hours. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, there was a time in this country where people would just kill wolves on sight. Yeah, yeah, and then it wasn't long before the part of the reasoning behind that was so the deer could be plentiful. And the deer got plentiful, all right. They got so plentiful that they started almost deforesting everything underneath an eight-foot area. And then eventually, uh, in a lot of areas, those same deer would starve to death from lack of food. Yeah. It's very, um... Oh, what's the word? People, humans seem to
2: m- not understand that, you know, nature takes care of itself. Yeah, there's
0: a, yeah. there's a reason for the cycle
1: ecology is very like ecosystems are very delicate
0: yeah well I mean we're just now starting to get wolves back in Oklahoma good you know um, most of what we have are wolf coyote hybrids but we do have wolf packs coming in and stuff like that kind of like when we did the cat episode where we you know discovered that leopards were making their way back this far yeah yeah those are the stories that I brought for today there's a ton more in the book. Um I just thought those were all inter- like really interesting stories. And like I said, the first three really I felt tied together. And that fourth one I just thought it was really kinda cool. I mean
2: I say he's honestly the father's lucky the wolf didn't attack because yeah, he had her pups there. Oh, but the oh, only thing I could think yeah. is depending how recently she gave birth. Like how old the pups were. Yeah. On how much energy she might have.
0: True. And why would she take
2: the baby? Like,
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, she definitely had enough energy to go that's get true. the yeah. baby and bring it back. And then she was nursing the baby. She probably heard it crying, thinking it might have been one of her pups. and Yeah. Just carried it back in there, thinking one of her pups got out. Yeah. Mm.
1: Well, that's possible.
2: So, I mean, a crying baby, and, you know, a crime pup. Would have, they sound, sound relatively similar, similar yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And the reason why they didn't give a name of the baby is because apparently back in those times they didn't name the, the, uh, they didn't give names, first names of the uh, children.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, particularly religious people, they wouldn't give them a name until they were baptized. Well, no, no, no not, not. Like the
0: articles just didn't put them in there. Oh. I mean, it's
2: kind of smart. Yeah, child doesn't need to have its name out there for people to find it and be like, oh, I'm going to contact this person. Like, yeah, this was 50 years ago, but I'm going to contact them and talk to him about this horrific thing that happened to them as a child.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, I just know from doing my own like ancestry and stuff. There's a lot of when you get far back, that will just say infant Infant daughter daughter, and then you know died within a year or something.
0: We have that with ours. Uh, Our dad had a infant brother that died or a at birth I think is what it was. That all there is is infant infant do- or, or infant yeah. son is what it was. Yeah.
1: yeah, the mortality rate was was so low that...
0: And it was around that same time, so...
1: Yeah, it was so low that people didn't even bother naming their kids till they knew they were going to survive.
0: Yeah. Don't get attached. <laughs> yeah, that's what you named your <laughs> dad. <it>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so sad.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have, a, you have a harsh winter. Yeah. And, uh... You, the mother doesn't get enough sustenance to produce milk Then
0: Yeah It's
1: rough well, living back then
0: We have enough time that I can do some bibliomancy And get another one if you want to do that
1: <laughs> Let me do some bibliomancy I'm good with bibliomancy right. Let's see here I'll go with this one Well hold on Age at Disappearance, two years old. Oh, she lives. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. No. Here, I'll let you do it. Madeline Sowers.
0: Madeline Sowers went missing on November. Th- no, that's not in November. Went missing on September 3rd, 1948, around noon uh, in Stewart, Virginia. She was two. Some reports give that the name was Sowers, with a D, without instead. So. Huh. Mr. and Mrs. Edward P. Sowers established their residence twenty-three miles north of Stewart, Virginia, in the Blue River, in the Blue Ridge Mountains, close to the Appalachian Trail. The Sowers had twelve children, and the youngest being called Madeline Castle. Madeline Castle, age two. On September third, nineteen forty-eight, at approximately eleven forty-five a.m., Mrs. Sowers left Madeline with her twin three-year-old sisters and other children playing in the yard of the farm. Miss Sowers returned 15 after a uh, return in fifteen minutes and realized that Madeline had vanished. She asked the twins where Madeline went, and they had no idea. A search was made of the immediate yard, and then the Patrick County Sheriff was called. Sheriff Richard. Fulcher responded with full contingents of deputies, state police, and volunteers. Search and rescue personnel spent the entire day covering a forty acres with more than fifty searchers. The sheriff was interviewed late that in the night of the first day of the searching, and his feelings were published in the article on September fourth of the Bluefield Daily.
1: The child has simply vanished said Sheriff Richard Folter of Patrick County tonight as he prepared to continue to search. We covered every foot of the mountain, land about the farm, for 25 to 40 acres. It's a lot of area to cover in just a couple hours. Mm
0: -hmm. The first night that Madeline was missing, a family living across the Smith River from Sowers thought they heard a loud cat crying late at night. The family didn't think much of it that night, But when they heard that a child was missing, they called the sheriff's office and advised them about what they'd heard. Here's the explanation of the find in the September 6, 1948 edition of the Spokesman Review.
1: The searching party was led to the hayfield by a family living across the river who said they had heard something crying in the field Friday night. They said they thought it was a kitten.
0: Searchers were led to Madeline, who was lying in a bank on the bank of the river, alive, Madeline was found adjacent to the Lepidosa Field. Lepid- it. <laughs> Lepidosa Field. She had numerous cuts on her body, but otherwise in good condition. To imagine what Madeline overcame to get to her location, here is a description of the September sixth, nineteen forty eight issue of the Portland Press.
1: Rugged ridges and stone cliffs lay between the spot where Madeline was found and her home 2 miles away.
0: I do believe the searchers and the sheriff were quite surprised that Madeline had found where she, Madeline was found where she was. I couldn't find an article that di- directly addressed the location where she was located. The location of the Sowers residence is approximately 120 miles north of Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Very interesting. She went a long way.
2: Yeah, that's what I was doing.
1: 24 yeah.
0: hours for, what was she, two?
1: Yeah, two years old.
0: That's a heck of a trip.
1: It's a heck of yeah.
2: I couldn't make that trip in 24 hours.
0: <laughs> well, you could go 12 miles. Or two miles.
2: If there's only two miles, I could do it. it might take me 24 hours.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the Appalachian area is pretty rugged. It's hard to maneuver in there.
2: I'm also super out of shape. But it was across
0: (laughs) the river. So she crossed a river somehow.
2: Hmm. So a two-year-old probably doesn't even know how to swim.
0: So, I mean, that's... I mean, still for a two-year-old, that's a heck of a trek. Yeah. I found us another one. This one is Jack Woods Jr. He went missing on November... Nope. December twenty ninth, nineteen fifty six. You just really want to say November? I do. In Asheville, Alabama, he was three years old. In early October, nineteen fifty six, the Wood family suffered a devastating loss of Mrs. Woods, who died after a long term illness. Hmm. The family lived on a farm at the base of the Gullahs Mountains, a mountain, while raise while they raised cotton. Jacks Woods Senior would work in the different farms during the day, and the grandmother of the four kids would watch the kids while jack worked. On October 29th, 1956, the Wood's children were in the cotton field harvesting the crop when they realized they couldn't find Jack Jr. Jack's grandmother had the remaining three children search until they felt that they must call law enforcement. Before the durst, for, the durst before the first day was over, several hundred people had arrived and were searching the property. The 152nd Army ta- tank b- b- tank b- battalion arrived and soldiers in mass started to comb the mountains or the mountain and the farm methodical manner. 200 national guardsmen and 300 citizens stayed on the property through the night, looking and yelling for Jack jr. On October 30th, 1956, the B Danville ran the following headline three year old boy found asleep in the mountainside. On the same date, the Miami News ran the following story with the information about how Jack was found. Just as the first drops of drizzling rain started to fall, National Guard Private Bill Stewart of Gadsden stumbled upon Jack Woods Jr. Later in the same article, Stewart said that he was just lying there asleep. Another guardsman stated, I know we went over this area last night. Jack was taken to the local physician and found be in good condition the disappearance of jack jr had almost every element of a disappearance of a child what i have highlighted in these three books he disappeared while being watched by a grandparent doesn't respond to searchers yelling for him is found in a previously searched area is found up a mountainside indicating he went uphill is found unconscious and is found just as the rain started to fall There's no notation in any article about what the boy was wearing. The location of the Woods Farm is exactly on the western perimeter of the Alabama Georgia cluster, which we identify as missing. We identify a missing four one one Eastern United States. The family did try to speak to Jack with about his night away, but he wouldn't say anything. And that's what most of these stories say: is that the child won't say anything about it. Not that they say they don't remember. But they don't say anything about it
1: Oh, interesting.
0: and I thought that was interesting, but then when I was read that one about um how the family went to him directly and told him yeah. about it, it's like maybe they do say something, and the parents, parents just, just don't say anything cut, cut it off right there or maybe the men in black come and tell <coughs> them not to say anything
2: well, I don't know. they come under their blue flashy light thingies Mm-hmm. they flashy
0: light yeah. Light.
1: The thing that stuck out to me the most in that is they say the soldier showed up masked.
0: No, masks.
2: In, in a mask. In so a, mass. a
1: bunch of them. In a mask. Oh, I thought in you said in masks. masks. They
0: showed up in masks.
1: And hey, it like, could have been a pandemic year. It's like, what is going on? Because <laughs> I'm thinking like gas masks.
0: They showed up in masks.
1: Oh. Well, that's... <laughs> that's weird that they showed up to do... They should
2: have. (laughs) Yeah. It was on Sunday. Like Catholic mass? (laughs) Oh, so they should have drunk. Got it.
0: (laughs) It was a black mass.
2: Generals gathered in their (laughs) masses. (laughs) All children missing.
0: In tall grasses. (laughs) (laughs) Why?
2: In the field, the child's
1: crying.
0: Y'all are having too much fun with missing kids.
1: They were all found. They were.
0: <laughs> I like doing a happy one. Yeah. Maybe my next one will be all sad.
1: Oh.
2: Everybody. Will <laughs> they were found there. mutilated.
0: I did w- read one where this. The, the, I'm not gonna read the story because I don't. I don't want to have to dig for it and find it. But here's the thing: he was found dead, naked. His clothes were torn to shreds, but he was in a shallow grave.
2: So he was kidnapped. Wow!
0: No, the article. Well, I, that would be my first thought is that somebody put him there. But the article wrote that he, in his delusion, he dug the ground up around him and then laid down to die.
1: Whoa!
0: Like, first of all, how do you know this? Yeah. Dirt under his finger. I. I don't know. Well, I found it really odd that they actually put that in the article.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, that sounds like they were covering up, like they didn't want
1: people to know there was yeah. a.
0: Because I was like, that sounds like well, somebody killed him. You them.
1: know, back in the day, r- like reporters and journalists used to just not get involved. They just watch things unfold, no matter what.
0: I didn't know how it rolls now.
1: So maybe they were just like <laughs> over by the tree, just watching them do it.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: it's like those animal videos where you—they don't the animal documentaries where they don't get involved
2: and yeah, yeah. Oh, this poor kangaroo has been eaten alive by an alligator,
1: or or even the. I like, could help, but nah. Or or what brings to mind is there's a Pulitzer Prize winning photo of a of a young boy who was crawling on the ground with a couple of vultures following him, and the guy he took a picture of that and just kind of fucked off, and then the boy wound up dying and. It said he, he said it haunted him for the rest of his life, that he didn't get involved with it. Yeah.
0: Well, like, with a kangaroo being eaten by an alligator, that that is nature playing course.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, if an animal is stuck in something that, like, a human created, yeah. we need to step in. If a child is dying and you have the opportunity to save them,
2: or at, save them or at them least attempt, save them. Yeah. you them.
0: should do that. Like... I don't know. Moral? I oh, don't know.
2: What if the child's a brat?
0: Oh, you just save him and then you send him on his way. What
2: do you get when your kid is a brat? brat? <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. I would never leave a child to fend for himself.
0: Unless it was a zombie apocalypse, and yeah, then <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> 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 Sorry,
2: I'm faster. <laughs> <laughs> Decoy. <laughs> 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 Amy's starting to question her beliefs in my zombie plan Now that she's like, i got two kids Oh no, fuck this
0: Dude, I have totally thought about these things
2: Oh, I have too It was really <laughs> nice when I lived in my apartment Because I'm like, there's a Walmart literally across the street <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to go far
0: Missing fun, one,
2: missing fun one one. Missing fun one ones. <laughs> oh gosh! Please join us for our next episode of Missing Fun
1: One Ones.
0: <laughs> the fuck is this? <laughs> missing four one one cases are really interesting. And I mean, all of them, even the ones that you know, unfortunately, they do die.
2: Is still those are the most fun ones. Well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's still interesting the stories behind it because most. Yeah. I mean,
2: well, they're all like weird and
1: like. Wait a don't minute. Make sense. Could that one that was found in a shallow grave be in the area where Cropsey had escaped?
0: Cropsey's so cute. <laughs>
1: you remember what, like, state or area it was in? Uh, uh, no, I
2: don't. I'm not going to lie. I don't even remember last week or whenever. Cropsey
0: it was, was the, the range killer that I thought was cute. Oh, okay. That's right. Well, one of them. There yeah. were two.
2: I was like, because I saw Britt post up and I was like, I don't remember what Cropsey is <laughs> he, he
1: was the one that they kind of
2: based That's right. Every time Amy was like comes. Oh, oh that sounds cute. cute It's a, ser- this is a Psychopath <laughs> a serial killer uh, Oh We know what Amy's into <laughs> When do
0: you give him cute names like Cropsy, <laughs> That's what I should name one of our elves on the shelves
2: Oh god <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> name the next one Chucky <laughs>
0: Well we have actor and Lulu Those are our elves.
2: Well, you shouldn't need another one unless you're having another kid. I ain't have
0: another one. But (coughs) I don't know. Don't start the elf on the shelf, people. I promise you, you will regret it. This is a public service announcement. My kids might be still awake, so I have to whisper it so they don't hear me. (laughs) But do not do the elf on the shelf. I'm (laughs) telling you. Stay away from the elf on the shelf. They're, in fact, in the same position they were yesterday because I fell asleep.
2: You can move them now.
0: Anyway, so that will be the episode of the Missing 411 for this week.
2: This has been our fun one one for the day. Our fun
0: one one for the day. We can say fun one one when they all live. It may not have been fun for them at the time, but <laughs> Oh, that was something else I was gonna say. In reading this book, at least in this particular one, most of the children live. The adults, on the other hand, not any of the adults live. All adults all die. But the children live. So
1: Oh
2: It's because the robot grandma twins kill the adults. Yes. But they just want the babies to poop.
0: They just want the baby poop. Yes, if you guys can get us the submissions for your ghost, your Christmas ghost stories, um, by
2: oh, Tuesday. Well, by by Saturday. Well,
0: let's even I can even at post edit it. So if I could get them by Tuesday, the whatever day that is, the fourteenth. So if I could get them by Tuesday, December 14th.
2: No, sh- week after that, 21st.
0: Yes. So yes, December <laughs> 21st. 14th is this. <laughs> I was um, like, wait, like this episode <laughs> won't release until after that. <laughs> I was like, that's impossible, baby. <laughs> so <laughs> you get them to me by December 21st. I should, in fact, be able to get them edited into the episode and play them. With our Ghost Stories episode.
2: Oh, ho, 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 ho.
0: Also don't forget to check out our Green Mushroom Podcast, brothers and sisters. We've got ad hoc history, Faith Blind Council, Administrism, Lexicult, and Smuts Up. And of course, we've also got our brothers and sisters at Grognostics, Primordium, and X V Planis. And don't forget your old Paranormal Monthly t-shirt. I got the coolest one this month. You got Krampus. I got a Krampus t-shirt. I was so excited. I had to run out and show Chad. He was <laughs> leaving. And I was like, Chad, look. <laughs> uh, you sent me
1: a photo me? of it, too. I
0: did. It's pretty cool.
1: It is actually pretty cool. One.
0: So use the l- promo code in, no, use the link in the show description and promo code C at checkout and get 10% off your order. And you, too, can get awesome paranormal shirts each month. Every yeah, time, I'm going to sign up soon. Every time I see it sitting on my desk when I come in, I'm always all excited. All I really
2: have is just work shirts. This is pretty much.
0: Every time I come in and that package is sitting on my desk, I'm like, oh, what did I get this week? <laughs> oh, what did I get? And I was extremely happy this time. Um, and it's even in red. I like their red that they use. Yeah. It's kind of a, I don't know, all it's their a crimsony yeah color. Boomer Sooner. Oh, yes.
2: Um, don't forget check out our Patreon. Yes. Uh,
0: patreon.com/blacks/ backslash back slash
2: We're canceled now. You would be
0: Chad and I are going to have some awesome videos on there
2: coming up here shortly.
0: Um, and we might branch out and do more than that. Now uh, that we have we have a new setup that we can use for that that yep. doesn't require lugging out all the equipment. Which is cool. And, of course, we're still affiliated with com. The link is in the description of the episode. Um, get your awesome, cool Christmas sweaters or fun fan fa- paraphernalia. I saw a really cool uh, Ghostbusters uh, ghost trap.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Or just, you know, stock up for uh, spooky next season next year. Yeah.
0: It's always spooky season in my heart. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it's always black there. It's
0: always black. <laughs> <laughs> and orange.
2: <laughs> I think you might need to call and talk to contact the doctor. <laughs> 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 Sorry.
0: And I think that'll do it for this week's episode. So until next time.
1: Keep digging. Fun 1 1. Unearthing
0: paranormalcy is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. To hear more great independent productions like the one you just listened to, visit our catalog at tgmpodcastnetwork.com.